with me to Acts chapter 3. They in their heart of hearts were taught and they understood for them the time would be short. They expected, because of all that had happened, that there would be the coming of the Son of Man in their day. That we know God's ways are higher than our way, and although they expected that and lived in that sphere of time, we thank God that He and His patience has still not returned because of those that we love and would like to see one into the kingdom of God. But there's one thing for sure, and it's this, and you've heard me say this before, we're further in that point of time than anybody else in the hall of the history of the church. And I think we can learn an awful lot from this church and how they did church to see how we should be doing church. And you know, when Luke wrote the book of Acts, he didn't write it and finish off that last chapter and thought that work is done. It was the start of all that Jesus had done. And you know, church this morning, and it's the title that you'll probably see on some of the slides that we've used, we're part of the sequel. We are to live in that sphere with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is using us in our day to minister to those around about. So come with me and we'll carry on the story in Acts chapter 3 this morning. And we read this. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging in the temple gate called Beautiful, and they filled, were filled with wonder and amazement at what was happening to him. And while the man held on to Peter and to John, all the people were astonished. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, does this, why does this surprise you? Why do you start us as if by our own power, our godliness, we made um, this man walk? Verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him um, before Pilate, though he had decided to go, um, sorry, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and the Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are the witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, the man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that completely healed him, as you can see. Verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you've acted in ignorance, as you did, as did your leaders. 
But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Verse 19, repent, then return to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, the times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed to you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him. The time comes for God to restore everything as promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who had spoken have been foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers, he said to Abraham. Through your offspring of the people of the earth will be blessed. And when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. And the Lord will bless the public reading of his holy word. Father, this morning, just as we come aside for this half hour to look at your word, we pray that you would make your word a light to our souls and that, Father, we would change to become more like you, that we would get with your program, that we would get what you want to do in us. Lord, we just pray you would help your servant this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. So we're part of the sequel. And here we read about this guy who's left at the gate, beautiful, a guy who's unable to walk, and there he's there every day in the hope that some people would give him some money. Friends, there was no DHSS in those days. There was nobody behind you other than your family or your friends. And if you were no one else, you were left destitute and all you could do was beg. And this man is encountered by Peter and John as they go to pray. And look at verse 4 there, and we're going to see our first point is this, look out for needs. And here we see in verse 4, it quite simply says this, Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. Friends, I want to encourage us as a church, like these men, look out for needs. You know, we're living in days when the church needs to see where people are at and where people's needs are. Oftentimes, we're living in a culture today where unfortunately, because kids no longer go to Sunday school, as we all did as children, they have no concept. And because RE is no longer taught in school the way it would have been taught when we were kids, a lot of people now have no concept of what sin is. And because they've no concept of what sin is, they therefore have no concept of they need a savior. But what they do know is this, that they have got needs, and those needs need to be met. And oftentimes as church, when we look out for the needs that people have, it gives us an opportunity to be able to share with them who it really is that can meet their needs. Friends, I believe in preaching the word of God. I believe in the gospel as the power of God on the salvation, but I also believe this. Sometimes before you feed somebody the word of God, you have to feed them in their stomach first. Because if they're too hungry to hear, they're not going to listen. And we need first sometimes to start with looking after a man's physical need before we can start ministering in to their spiritual need. But the truth is, church, how we need to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit, friends, to open up our hearts and minds to see what the particular needs may be of people who are around about us. 
at one of my previous pastorates, I was glad to serve with a group of guys whose friends had a real compassion and a real heart to meet people at their need. And many a time, even when we didn't have the funds as a church, they believed God to reach out and touch people to meet them at their needs. But we had one guy on this group of guys that ministered together, and I loved his attitude. And, you know, he held us to account at times because sometimes he would say to us, where we would maybe see a need and we want to answer that need, he would sometimes say to us, is throwing money at this what really is what that person needs? And he would get us to pray and to think, to say, okay, we can give that person money, but is there a deeper need going on? And oftentimes, even when somebody's back to the wall financially, we could help them out. But sometimes too, we needed to bring in people like Cap to come alongside that person to help them, Christians in poverty that is, to help these people have an understanding of how to budget their finances that they didn't get into that place again. It was using practical stuff yet to be able to minister to people in our needs. Friends, we need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God to help us help others with their needs. You know, two church dignitaries one time went to this big massive cathedral and they were walking through and watching how beautiful this place was, filled with gold and filled with stained glass windows and all these priceless items. And one guy said to the other guy, you know, the church can no longer say silver and gold have I none. And the other bloke looked at him and said, and neither can it say such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And you know, friends, there's a balance. There's a balance as us as a church of people who are filled with the Spirit of God, who walk with the Spirit of God, that we need to be looking in our communities to people who have needs. And we want to meet needs as far as God gives us the ability practically to do. But friends, never sell ourselves short or the Lord short because God still wants to move in us and move through us to meet people at their needs. I love what Sandy Miller used to say, who was one of the co-authors of um, Alpha and the Holy Trinity Brompton Church. He says, there was a time in their experience as church life, they prayed for nobody to get healed and nobody got healed. And then they started to pray for people, as many who would come for healing, and some people started to get healed. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, as I want to reach out and show people how powerful and how wonderful our God is, I would be more happy with that than seeing nothing happening. But are we building people up for false hope? No, we know without a shadow of doubt that our God has got it in control. Our God has got it together. Our God is able. And even if people don't get healed, God is still able to see those people through. We want to show people who our God really, really is in these days. And our God is able. But you know, oftentimes we are afraid to reach out and help people. Do you know why? Because of our own humanity. You've heard me say this again and again through even the very beginning of this series. I want you to start to get some confidence in your walk with God and your spirituality. I want you to start realizing that Jesus does want to work in you and through you. But oftentimes we put that off and think, well, the Lord would use Sister Thunderbuster because she's an amazing woman of God, but God wouldn't use little old me. I got it wrong. I've done it wrong. But here, church, look to see who the Lord was using at this moment and this time to touch this person. It was Peter. Peter. 
Let me remind you of Luke 22 in this story. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words of the Lord that had spoken. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he cried. He knew he had let the Lord down. And yet we see the man who had let the Lord down being used this day to see the healing power of God move in him. And church, some of you are sitting there this morning and we're trying to encourage you to be a part of the sequel and yet there's some stuff in your past and you think you're barred from the kingdom and you're barred from serving. Friends, when we live in repentance and we work out the stuff that we got wrong, friends, God is able to take the likes of you and I and God is able to use us in this world today to reach those people around us who need to see Jesus. I want to encourage you to start believing that God wants to use you. I heard a lovely story a lot of years ago about a young boy, and our young people want you to listen to me. Want to listen to what I'm saying. Do you know God is able to use you mightily as he is everybody else in this room? This young guy was in a church in London and for weeks and weeks he had seen the hand of God moving and healing and blessing in the church that he was going to. And when he was going home one day in the tube, he saw a wee boy sitting up beside his mom in calibers. I'm not sure they still call them calibers these days, but you know what I mean. And he felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to ask this mom, could he lay hands on this wee boy? Now you can imagine the shock of these people. And this wee boy is there and the mom is there and this young fella goes over and he asked the mom because he felt prompted by the Holy Spirit, could he pray for this child? And as he started to pray for the child, the child got up and started to walk without the calibers. Church, you see, if we listen to what the Spirit of God wants to say, if we're willing to act on what the Spirit of God says, Our God is still the same God as he was 2,000 years ago as he is today. But are we willing to work with him? Are we willing to believe that God can use us, even with all our past, like Peter who failed the Lord, that God can use us in this day for his honour and for his glory? I had a text from one of you this week. And you were in a situation, I'm not going to embarrass you, but you were in a situation and you had spoke to me to say that there was somebody in great need of prayer, there was a situation was happening, you felt it prompted by the Spirit of God to minister into the situation. And then I got a wee text back saying from this person, I wish you were here to pray for them. And my reply was simply this, it's the same Spirit of God in you that's in me, just go for it. 
Just go for it. You don't need the pastor. You don't need the elders. You need to go with the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life to believe that God is able. And if God is directing you, God will use you. And we need to look for the needs of people around about us in this day to help people realize that God is alive and well and God can use us as servants in the land that we live in. So it's not just about looking for the needs. There's a need to be able to say, and this is our second point this morning, as the Apostle Paul said, look at us. Paul wasn't saying, here, look at me, I'm the big lad. My wee granny had a wee saying about somebody who was a bit big-headed. I wasn't aware about them. They had it was an electric cable. And we've all met those people, haven't we? They just think they're the bee's knee. They think they're it, they're great. And when Paul, or Peter and John, was saying to um, this man lying in his need, when they were saying, look at us, it wasn't because these boys thought they were something extra special, but they knew for this guy to get in contact with them, to look towards them, that they eventually were going to see the Lord Jesus. Friends, we know it. We've heard it said before. We've all talked about it. We are the only Jesus that some people are ever going to see. We are walking, talking. You know, when Christian term was first given, it was a mockery. In the times where the first church was, when they were called Christians, it was a slur. They were being made fun of. It was little Christ's. But yet it became something that was so important and beloved by the church today because we are supposed to be little Christs. People are supposed to see the Lord Jesus in us. But friends, there's a responsibility to this and we need to measure up to this church because seriously, what are people saying when they look at us? Are we walking in the right spirit? Are we the right type of people who are Christ followers, who love our God, who love justice, who walk uprightly? Are we doing what God desires us to do? Because he wants people to see him in us. And these guys, this wee man was encouraged to look at them. Why? Because he was expecting something from them. Church, I want you to believe this morning You may not think you have anything of yourself to give anybody. But I want to say this, you're probably starting in a good place. Because then you're not giving yourself, but you can rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and the ability of our God to move in you and through you. We carry the Lord Jesus with us. We host his presence. We are present carriers of the Holy Spirit. And we live in this world and we should be able to reach out to these folk to let them see Jesus. But what does people say in us? I remember hearing a story years ago, and it's one of the reasons why I personally don't drink alcohol. The other couple of reasons why I don't drink alcohol is because we know in these days that um, the TV tells us that, well, if you drink even one unit, your senses are impaired and I'm dopey enough. (laughs) So that's basically it. I want to be open to the Spirit of God and be honest with you, I'm bad enough when I'm sober. But this guy went to a party one night, an alcoholic fella, in a bad, bad way. And he knew there would be a minister there. And he started to talk to this minister, looking for help because of a situation. And this minister was so offhand with this guy. 
so judgmental. And he turned to the fellow and he said, how did you end up in your situation? And this young guy turned and said to him, because years ago I went to another party and you were there too and I saw you drinking and I thought, well, if it's okay for him to drink, it's okay for me to drink. And that always stuck with me as a pastor, as a Christian leader. And that's only one example, but there are many examples of what do people see in us? And not only what do they see in us, but how do we react to people when they're not in a great place? When people come into contact with us, no matter what they've done, no matter where they are, do we greet them with caution? Do we greet them with criticism? Or do we treat them the way Jesus treated us, with grace, with compassion, with the realization and the remembrance in our soul and our spirit, but for the grace of God, there go I. People will look to us because we're the only Jesus that they will see. And he wants us to respond in a Christ-like way so that people around about us can experience something of his love. And you know, church, I have every confidence that you carry that, that you can carry that, and we will carry that so that when the Lord opens us to divine appointments, the people will see the Lord Jesus in us. Look for the needs. Encourage people to look at us. But always remember at the end of the day, verse 12 of this passage, even though they may look at us, we need to avert their eyes to the one it's all about, to the Lord Jesus. Verse 12 said, when Peter saw this, all the people coming to them, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if it was by our power and our godliness we had made this man walk? You see, these men were very careful when people came and were latching onto them to make sure that other people knew what was going on. And you know, today, church, you might not think to yourself, well, I'll never be used for a miracle, but God might use you for a hug, to hug someone. God might use you to smile at somebody and put a hand on their shoulder who are going through a terrible day. God might prompt you to put your hand in the po- your pocket and go and buy that homeless person or somebody who's sitting at the roadside a cup of coffee and a sandwich and to take it to them and talk to them about it. And we live in such a cruel world today. And you know, even when we do acts of kindness like that, some people don't get it and they don't understand. Why would you be doing this to me? And that gives us the perfect opportunity. Their gaze may be looking at us for us to meet their need, but it's then we turn and we reflect it all to Jesus. It gives us our opportunity to say to those folk, I'm giving you this coffee, I'm giving you this sandwich, I'm meeting at your need because Christ met my need. This is my story. This is my song to tell people what the Lord has done in us, that they may know what God is able to do in them. Friends, we need to be careful not to rob God of his glory. There's a scripture that you'll know pretty well, an old scripture that talks about robbing God, and it's in Malachi 3 and 8. It says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing God? 
And the answer was, God was saying, in your tithes and your offering, you're not giving back to me what I gave you. But you know, church, that's not the only way we can rob God. We can rob God of his glory. Thinking that what we do for people or thinking how we interact with people is all down to us and our personality and, and how wonderful we are. Friends, we're all sinners saved by grace. And we only can do what we do because of what the Lord Jesus has done in us. And we always need to reflect that glory to him. I started preaching when I was really young. I was about 14. And when I started to preach under one particular pastor um, more frequently for him, um, oftentimes I would be standing at the door on the Sunday morning because of my age. A lot of people would be coming, oh, son, you did really well this morning and good on you. That was a great word. And I'd be standing like a beetroot and I'd be going to the people, oh, it's not me, it's not me, it's the Lord. And, it's, and, and you know, the pastor was right. His advice to me was, Stephen, just say thank you. Don't make it any worse. Get home, get down on your knees and say, Lord, all glory to you for what happened there this morning. Always give it back to him. Always give him the glory because it's all about Jesus, not about us. It's about what Jesus can do through the Holy Spirit in people's lives today. And friends, let me say it once again, you're a spirit carrier. You carry the spirit of God within you and God wants you to touch lives and be used to touch lives in this community we live. Here's my fourth and my last point this morning. And all that we do, at the end of the day, people need to know, look at the bare truth. People need to look at the bare truth. Wasn't it Francis Assisi said, you know, preach the gospel and if you have to, use words? I sort of like that, but I don't 100% agree with him. I do believe that we can, through the social gospel, meet people at their needs, as we've talked about. But friends, it always needs to be followed up by what we say. We always need, because it's the word that brings light. It's the word true. Our action may be the opening to an opportunity, but people still need to know the truth of the gospel. And Peter was straight in there. He said, what you see today, you've declared is wonderful. Do you remember a few weeks ago when we started the series, I said, how wonderful is our God? And these people have seen the wonder of this guy getting up and walking and dancing and leaping and praising God. And people around are glorifying God and saying, this is a wonderful thing that has happened. But Peter was straight in there. This is great what has happened. But you know, the one who did this was the one you crucified. He was the one you rejected and you let a murderer go through. You rejected him and you crucified him. And although that sounds harsh, he brings in the grace. Because he then refers these people to let them know that way back in Abraham's time, that their nation, because even of this act of rejection, this nation would bless many nations. And what Paul, Peter was saying to these guys is this. There is much more to come. You see, if you people would just come to God, you could also realize the times of refreshing are ahead. And you know, as children of God, too, as we walk with our God, we know sometimes it's not always about the mountaintop. Sure, it's not. 
We don't always live on mountaintop experience. And as much as we would love to always live in those glorious meetings where the anointing is flying and everything's going well in our world, sometimes the Lord had to teach us what it was like to be in the valley so that we could learn that he is the lily of the valley. He says there will be times of refreshing, and no matter what goes on in our hearts and our lives, we can always be thankful for this, that we have the peace of God to pass us all understanding. No matter what we face, there is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, and we can choose, no matter what we go through, to go to that place. And then he goes on to talk about restoration, that these people could also experience a restoration within their souls, within their life, to be on the right track for their lives if they would follow. But both healing, refreshing, and restoration all comes through this, friends. One wee word, repentance. As a nation, they needed to turn their back on their old life and they needed to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. As I say, we asked the question a few weeks ago, do you know how wonderful God is? Verse 10 they that looked on this miracle declared how wonderful and amazed they were. Church, as we interact with our community, as East Pointers, as we live to point people to Jesus, I want us to have the realization that the Spirit of God is within us, our wonderful God is in us. And do you know sometimes he needs to be let out? Do you get what I'm saying this morning? We need to let him out. We need to show him. We need to allow people to experience him in us. That once again, they can be filled with amazement and wonder of our God. Church, can I say it again? I believe in you. I believe in what the Spirit of God wants to do in you. But are you going to start to believe that in yourself? Just like the wee friend that texted me this week, I wish you were here to pray. And we're going to start to believe that it's the same spirit in you that is in me and that God can meet people at their needs. Let's look for needs in our communities. Let's pray and ask God to show us how we can meet those needs. Now, don't 20 people come to me during the week and say, Pastor, Pastor, I've seen a need and as a church I think we should meet it. Listen to what I'm saying this morning. Ask the Spirit of God how he will use you to meet that need. Believe that he is able to use you to meet that need. The people will see that the people of East Point carry something in them to see the work of God done. Be a part of the sequel, church. Be a part of the sequel. Amen.